Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm interviewing Christine Reed. Now, we talk about quite a bit of of outdoor things today. Uh, She wrote the book Alone in Wonderland about her adventures hiking. Uh, It was mostly on the Wonderland Trail in uh, in Washington State. There was, uh, I I guess, uh, kind of a back and forth between that and and the rest of her life and hiking the uh, Appalachian Trail. We obviously, uh, we talked about that in the past with another author and, and his 27-year journey on the Appalachian Trail. This one's a little different. She hiked it alone, uh, hence, hence the name "Alone in Wonderland." Uh, it uh, it was it was just a really cool, inspiring story about you know the I guess kind of the age-old finding yourself on the trail. But she's going to talk about how that's not necessarily the case, which I thought was a, a cool perspective about how you know of of course you know you 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 can. You can work on yourself, but you don't find yourself on the trail. And I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into too much of that now. I really enjoyed kind of her perspective with that, and, and uh, she'll talk all about that. But uh, I think you're going to enjoy this one, whether you're into just a, a good story about uh, you know a person really developing, uh, whether you're into the, you know the outdoors and learning about hiking, although it's not really you know this technical hiking book it's more of kind of a, a human story book uh, but uh, it was a fascinating story I read it really enjoyed the book and uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with uh, with Christine uh, without further ado here is my interview with Christine Reed I'm here today with Christine Reed Christine how are you good how are you Jackson I'm good I we're, we're obviously going to talk about the the book that you that you wrote I read the book. You were nice enough to send it to me. Thanks so much for that. I guess the the funny thing was you've got the book, you got a bookmark that looks just like it. You got those postcards. You're, I mean, no one's not going to know they've got that book that you've got. You've got it at the basis <laughs> cover. Uh, yep. Marketing extraordinaire. <laughs> I was able to even use a bookmark right reading the book that said the name of the book. I like that. <laughs> but before we get into the book, we'll talk quite a bit about that. Tell us just a little bit about uh I guess, who uh, Christine Reed is. Sure. Um, Yeah, I'm an author. I'm a backpacker. Um, I would say those are kind of my two big shticks at this point. Mm. (laughs) Um, But, you know, on Instagram, I'm rugged outdoors woman. And that sort of started as a joke, but has become a little bit of my whole personality by now. Um, And it, it definitely started with backpacking, but I've gotten into running and rock climbing and just general being outdoors and and that journey of coming to the outdoors is kind of the story that I'm telling for for sure and I think you know the book kind of starts out anyways where you're I believe you lived in a van kind of in the in the beginning I don't know exactly where you where you're at now um, but I've talked to a lot of different van lifers I think I think that's what they call them but what 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 made you start out with 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 van life I think that I don't know where that fit in between the two hikes that kind of are covered in the book, but, but what, uh, talk about van life and how you decided to do that. 
Yeah. So it's actually right in the middle after my, my section of the Appalachian trail, then I moved to Denver for a short period of time. Um, and that's sort of when I got into rock climbing and it's when I discovered van life. Um, cause it's really big in the rock climbing community to be a dirt bag and go around in your van. So I just was exposed to it in that community. And I thought that seems pretty cool to just not be tied down at all. And and have your home on your back and be able to go wherever you want to go. And uh, I was sort of romanticizing the idea for a year or two while I was working in Denver. And then a bunch of life changes happened all at one time. And it just made sense to go ahead and give it a go. So I bought my first van in the spring of 2018. um, And I was traveling in that when I decided to hike the Wonderland Trail in the fall of 2018. I gotcha. Yeah. And the book, we were talking about like it's there's not a name to it. What's, what's the name of the book? It's alone in wonderland alone in wonderland. Yeah. And I, what the, the thing that I guess kind of was interesting to me about the book is I feel like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of hiker books and I I'll be the first to admit, I haven't read that many of them, but I think that it was just kind of interesting that it's a book about hiking, but from somebody, at least at the time that wasn't super confident in their hiking ability to begin with. So I feel like a lot of times these hiker books, they're you know, expert hikers or people that think they're, they're tough stuff with, with hiking. And, and you were pretty candid about, uh, I guess, just having a lot of self-doubt in, in your hiking. So kind of talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, yeah, I came to hiking with no experience and just decided I was going to do a big section of the Appalachian Trail. And that was in 2015. Um, and I talk about that a little bit in the book, but I focus more on my second big hike, which was the Wonderland Trail in 2018. And that one's, I mean, I say big hike, it's 93 miles. So not big compared to some of the big trails that people do, <laughs> um, but pretty long for most of us. And uh, I had taken sort of three years off since my time on the, the Appalachian Trail. And so I wasn't like in hiking shape. Um, and my body was just super unhappy about, uh, putting on the 35 pound backpack and just hitting the trail. And the Wonderland trail is really a lot of elevation gain. It's pretty difficult. Um, and I got out there kind of thinking like, okay, I've backpacked before. This is no big deal. It's only hundred miles. Like it'll be fine. Um, and just the first day I realized, no, this is, it's super hard. And I am, wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> And, and I think one of the big messages of the story and of my life over and over again is just that you don't have to be good at something to love it or to enjoy it or to do it or to identify as someone who does it. And, and I think for me, backpacking is that thing. Like, I know how I have all the gear. I've done it a bunch, but it's still hard every time. And I think it's okay for us to say that out loud and not be, you know, super hikers just because we put ourselves out there in the community as somebody who does this thing. For sure. And I, I interviewed somebody, oh goodness, it's probably been about a year or so ago, maybe more, but he actually did the Appalachian Trail, the whole thing over 27 years. So like he would do little parts at a time. He wrote a book about it. And the book was, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, dialogue between him and his, his friend and how that kind of happened, but it also is kind of a guide on how to hike and stuff like that. I don't know whether that's what you're going for, but the, this book, I didn't really ever, it wasn't the type of book, I guess, that's going to teach somebody how to be a, a hiker. It's more about, uh, you know, you kind of your, 
internal struggles really sometimes. So I, I, I mean, I, I guess I enjoyed that more than just a, a travel guide. So yeah, I thought it was kind of cool the way that it went. Yeah. It's definitely meant to be a personal story and a personal story that I think a lot of people have related to and will relate to. And, and yeah, it's not a hiking guide. So, <laughs> um, I think unless you really are just interested in a trail or you're looking for a how to, like you can read a guidebook if you want to know about the Wonderland trail, there actually is a really excellent guidebook for that trail. So I didn't need to write that. Um, and <laughs> I think if you're reading a memoir about someone's experience on the trail, you really want to know the person and you want to know why they're there and what they got out of the experience. And that is definitely more what I was going for. Absolutely. For sure. And you, in the book, you wrote kind of in, in two narratives, each chapter kind of had your time that day on the Wonderland trail, and then kind of basically throughout the rest of your, your life and the other part of the chapter. So what made you decide to do that? Um, I think with a story like this, the, the backstory, the, who was this person before and how did they get here is just as important as what you're learning in the moment. Um, and you know, if anyone has read a bunch of trail books, you know, how monotonous reading day after day of just like I was walking and then I ate ramen noodles and (laughs) I talked to a person and I saw a squirrel and like all of those things are interesting to a certain degree. Um, but they're not the meat of the story. And so I felt like going back and forth to give a little bit of, uh, my history and then a little bit of the trail and a little bit of who I am. Um, and then a little bit more of the journey on the trail was, a way to keep the story moving quickly and interesting, even though every day on the trail was a day of me walking on the trail. Um, and I guess I was really fortunate in that the Wonderland Trail is only, I hiked for 11 days. So there was only 11 days worth of walking to cover. Um, but actually a lot of really interesting things happened while I was on the trail. So um, that was lucky for storytelling purposes, <laughs> yeah. as I'm finding while I work on my second book. Yeah. And I want to kind of get in kind of later on about what made you decide to write a book. But before we get to that, were you at all at the time thinking about it? Like, were you writing these things down? Or did all this come from just completely from memory? Because I've talked to people who who write, you know, books about their travels and they've almost became, you know, this was, you know, your first book. So I don't know if that's the case, but now that they've written so many that it almost takes away from their experience sometimes because they're like, oh my gosh, I need to get to back to the hotel or I need to get into a bathroom and write, you know, down this experience. So I don't forget it for my book. Yeah. So for alone in wonderland, I did not take notes while I was on the trail because I didn't realize I was going to write a book until afterwards. Um, and I do think that that was really nice. Um, because this past fall I hiked the Colorado trail and I was taking notes, just short notes of like, you know, these are the places we went, the things we saw, um, a little bit of how I was feeling every day. Um, and I wouldn't say it took away from the experience, but it was definitely something that like at night I was like, okay, I have to like sit in my tent and take, you know, notes and think about what happened today and ask my friend who I was hiking with, like, okay, did I remember everything? Like, here, let me read you <laughs> what I wrote down. Um, and so it was definitely something to like think about on the trail. And and I also did realize I spent a lot of time on the trail thinking, oh, I want to include something about this in the book or like ideas of what I might want to talk about. Um, that was a lot of what was going through my head while I was walking every day was like things I would want to include in my story. That that makes sense. And the story kind of deals a lot with solo travel and then also traveling as a a solo female and some of, I guess, the, 
you, the, the fears that come with solo travel to begin with. And then I guess maybe, maybe some added fears. That's not normally, I've talked to a lot of solo female travelers and I never really mentioned that because I think you got to be kind of aware whether you're male or female or, or anything in between. So I don't necessarily like to, to kind of mention, Hey, was it scary because you're a solo female? Cause I think that's, that's kind of, I, I don't like that. I feel like everyone will ask that question. It's kind of goofy, but talk about solo travel as a whole and kind of just not just because I've talked to solo travelers that, you know, go to, to destinations, but you're solo out in the middle of the woods on a trail that adds just a wholly different layer to it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think we, you know, we all have the, the same dangers in terms of like wildlife. A bear doesn't know if you're a man or a woman. <laughs> um, and things like that, you know, weather and elements and just poor decision-making and anything that can put you at risk when you're outdoors. And I think those risks are pretty fairly manageable. Um, and I definitely do, you know, I've had people say like, aren't you scared being out in the woods alone? And it's like, yeah, to a certain degree, there is a level of fear there. Um, but I think a lot of the things that are real dangers in the outdoors are pretty manageable and, and they're things that you can prepare for and you can know what to be looking for. And at the end of the day, I don't know that I'm any more afraid out in the woods alone than I am in the city alone, because the city is a dangerous place, right? People are there. <laughs> I think people are a lot more dangerous than bears. So mm. Um, a lot of the things that people kind of say they're afraid of when they think like, oh, going backpacking alone, really scary. I think a lot of that fear is almost ingrained in just the idea of being alone mm -hmm. and like being alone with your own thoughts and having no one to distract you from yourself <laughs> and really having to face yourself in a way, which I think is also scarier than bears. I think that's, that's huge. I, that's, and that's something that I've heard before. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense that people are, are so worried about, you know, van life or hiking or whatever, being alone, but there's so few, you know, less people wherever you're going to be. The odds of something happening are fewer. Maybe if something does happen, it might be a, a bigger issue, but the, just the odds, just given that there's a lot less people to, to have a, an issue with than, than some, you know, when you're in the city. So that makes some sense. We're going to move on to the next one um, okay. about, about bears. You, you'd mentioned, you know, that you're, you're less afraid of bears than, you know, some, some people in the city. You did have an experience with a bear in this book. Um, That's kind of a, a, a big, I guess, kind of scary moment. I, first, was that your first experience? Was that the closest experience? And have you had any more issues with, with bears in your, in your travels? It was definitely the closest I've ever been to. Uh, two bears. And I had seen bears before on the Appalachian Trail, but from quite a distance. And so I never felt, you know, fear um, seeing them kind of like running up a hillside in the distance. And I actually, I really enjoy seeing bears when I'm outside because they're beautiful. And, um, and it's also just like a rare experience and something that really makes you feel like you're in the club. Right. Um, and so, yeah, when I saw these two bears, um, at the campsite on the Wonderland Trail, I had been warned by the park ranger that there have been bears hanging around this campsite because it's where a lot of people day hike to. And so trash gets left there and food and people like to feed the wildlife and do all those sorts of things. Um, and so the bears are active in that area. So I kind of knew, but 
it was still daylight and I definitely wasn't expecting, you know, them to come right up to me. And I was sitting zipped into a really small backpacking tent with just the mesh between me and these two bears. And so it was, it was the proximity that was really scary. And also the fact that I was completely defenseless and sitting in zipped inside a tent. (laughs) And I was like, there's no way to get away. I can't, I couldn't even run if I wanted to. But they sniffed me and they got really close and like, you know, I could see their nostrils flaring and, and then they kept on their way going where they were going. So it was, it was definitely scary, but they told me also, the park ranger told me at Mount Rainier that they've never had a violent bear incident in the park's history, which blew my mind. Um, having spent time in Yosemite and the Great Smoky Mountains where bear incidents are quite regular. <laughs> so I, I told myself that in the moment, like, okay this would be the very first time a bear attacked somebody if they attacked me. So hopefully I won't be that statistic. (laughs) And then it would be just a totally different book at that point. (laughs) Right. Yes. If I was still here to write the book, maybe I would be like missing a leg or something. Yeah. So you, you, I mean, we, we talked about the Wonderland trail and then the Appalachian trail. Those are the two that you, you cover in the book. Just briefly kind of talk about both of those trails for people that that don't know. You already mentioned the Wonderland trail is, little under a hundred miles. Obviously the Appalachian trail is quite a bit longer, but just kind of talk a little bit about both trails. Sure. Um, yeah, the Appalachian trail stretches from Georgia to Maine and it's a little over 2000 miles. Um, it changes slightly every year as they do trail maintenance and move the trail around. Um, but it goes through, I think 13 States. Oh, people are going to shred me if I got that wrong. Um, and yeah, so it kind of follows the Appalachian mountains a bit West of the East coast. Um, and it's definitely the most popular of the the three very long trails in the U S. Um, it's a lot of people's first through hiking experience because it's really logistically friendly. Um, and because it's of its popularity, people know about it and there's so many people out there. Um, and the reason that I started there was because I just found a blog about the Appalachian trail when I was at work one day and I had never even heard of long distance backpacking before. Mm -hmm. And everybody was talking about how amazing it was and how it changed their life. And, and there was just so much passion in the community and, and on these online forums that I had discovered. And I thought, this seems like something I want to do. Um, and so I set everything up to go do the full through hike. And I ended up hiking about 650 miles from Georgia to midway through Virginia, um, and having family emergency and things happen so that I had to get off the trail. Um, and after that experience and taking all the time off work, I decided like, I don't know if I want to do another, cause it takes four to six months to hike the Appalachian trail. So I was like, maybe I'll try something shorter next time. <laughs> Um, so then the Wonderland Trail is a 93-mile loop that circles around Mount Rainier in Washington State. Um, there's 22,000 feet of gain in 93 miles, which is pretty intense, um, but it's beautiful. And you're in alpine meadows the whole time and just amazing views of Mount Rainier. And it's quite populated with marmots and cute little pikas and all the alpine wildlife is great. You, you, you mentioned, obviously, having... It, emergencies to get off the, the trail. But one thing that you covered in the book that I, I don't get it to hear a lot of, you know, I ask a lot of people, I, I talk to people and have done all kinds of interesting things. I always ask, you know, talk about your, your family and this and, and, you know, their, their support and how, 
how they reacted and to some of the interesting things people have done. And normally, you know, it's just a blanket. Oh yeah. They were very supportive. It was very nice. Um, that isn't always really probably the case. Talk about, I mean, I'm sure your, your family was you know, a level of supportive, but talk about what they, you know, how they reacted when you did decide at first, Hey, I'm going to go and do this six month long hiking trail. Yeah. Um, my parents did not understand at all why I would want to do something like this. Um, I think that was the general reaction was just confusion. Um, and then, you know, I was 23 when I decided I was going to hike the trail and then 24 when I left for the trail. Um, and I graduated from college and I was working a job, making pretty good money for where I lived. And my parents just didn't really understand why I would give up such a good opportunity at the job that I had to go walk through the woods for six months. And, and it was hard to explain to them because I had so many other things going on in my life that they weren't really privy to at that time that I felt like I needed this reinvention. I needed to go off and figure out who I was. And I was just at a point in my life that like, I couldn't see another way. And I think they had a really hard time understanding that. And at the time my mom was sick, she had cancer. Um, and, and there was definitely like a level of guilt of, like leaving while she was sick, um, that caused a lot of tension between me and her and between me and my dad, you know, he wanted me to stay because she was sick too. So yeah, it was, they didn't really get it. And then I left. Um, and then my mom died while I was on the trail and, and that was pretty unexpected. She was sick, but we didn't realize, uh, it was that bad. And so then I came home after doing the section of the trail that I did. And, and I spent a lot of time with my dad. And I think over the time of the years that have passed since and, and backpacking becoming such a big part of my life and moving into a van and all of these different steps along the way, he has come to understand a little bit more. Um, but it's taken a long time. It's definitely taken and, and like writing the book and him reading my story. And, and I think that helped a little bit. But I think it definitely took a while for him to understand why I would just want to essentially leave society and go be a woods person, <laughs> you know. And the first year I lived in the van, he would ask me, like, are you still homeless? Are you like, are, you know, he didn't get that. I was like, no, I've just like I moved into a van. I live in a van now, um, but I'm not homeless. Those are it's not the same. <laughs> So it was, it's definitely been a journey for us. And, and I think now that my mom is gone, you know, my dad is my whole family and I do spend more time with him than I did in my early twenties. And, and we've gotten a lot closer and I think he has begun to understand, but it's, it wasn't easy and he definitely wasn't on board at the beginning, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel, I honestly, I feel like that's a lot of people probably have more of that experience than they, maybe they let on that their family question their their decisions more than than sometimes people people say so i i like that you kind of you 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 mentioned that and you brought it up and you even you know when reading the book because it is kind of you know it's it's a, a harsh look at your life and then also your relationships you know with your your family and your dad and at the end i like that you even kind of wrote a a letter to him so i thought that was pretty cool so talk about you know outside of of that now kind of to a, a funny topic you mentioned in the book that how much, and I, and I think this is funny too, because I feel like I would do this. I've only ever been like a, a day hiker. I've never been any, anything any more than that. So I feel like I would totally, totally do what you say you hate people do, which is like 
when passing somebody, oh, you're almost there. Apparently that's, you, you don't, people don't like that. So talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those self-conscious self-doubt sort of things, right? Like you, you're walking along, probably struggling and sweating and you're red and you're looking like you're dying and some really nice, well-meaning person says you're almost there. And it's just like, it's, it's the assumption that I need your encouragement that like, I'm not totally fine. Um, and of course I don't look totally fine, but I want to look totally fine and I am an experienced backpacker and I know what I'm doing. And, and also you don't even know where I'm going. Like there's just so many layers of it, (laughs) you know, when somebody says you're almost there and I'm like, I'm on a 93 mile hike, like I'm not going just like right there. So there, you know, there's like an assumptive level of like, you don't know what I'm doing, but there's also the assumption of like that I need your encouragement. And I know that sounds so snotty, (laughs) but it's hard when you're, when you're feeling self-conscious and you're like, look, I know I look like garbage and like other people are just like prancing by, like, this is the easiest thing they've ever done. And then they have the nerve to tell me, oh, you're almost there. And I'm like, I'm fine. (laughs) I didn't ask you. (laughs) People should just say hello and and nothing else, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Or like, isn't it a beautiful day for a hike? Yeah. I mean, I love talking to people on the trail and I'm happy to interact. I just, anytime somebody's like, oh, you're almost there. Like you're doing a great job. I'm like, ah, mm, like puts my bristles up. Yeah. I, I thought that was funny. Cause I've, I could totally, totally see myself doing that, but I don't, I think your book taught me not to do that. <laughs> I don't think I would do that. And I don't, I don't think I have before, but I could, I could see that for sure. So the book also talks a lot about kind of identity and, and, you know, finding, finding your identity, but then at the same time, one part of the book that I, I, again, I thought was kind of interesting is you talked about how on these trips on the, on the trail, you're the same person starting and ending. And I feel like most of this genre, most of these hikers, basically the book is like, they found themselves in a totally different person after the hike. I, that's not the case that you, you straight up said, I'm the same person starting and ending. So I, I just thought that was interesting when you do kind of, you do kind of transform your identity, you know, not your identity, but who you are, but you, you kind of say the opposite. So, yeah, I think this is an idea that I've been really mulling over a lot since I wrote the book is this, people talk a lot about the trail healing them and the trail providing and the trail being this participant in what they're doing. <laughs> um, and I just think the trail is a wonderful opportunity to see ourselves more clearly. And, and the endeavor of doing the trail can be a personal challenge and a way to grow. And there are so many things that you can get out of the experience of the trail, but I don't think that the trail does anything for you. I think you do what you're going to do and the trail is just a conduit, right? And so at the end, you are the same person that you started as. You might be a different version of that person, but it's definitely still something that you had in you all along. And the trail was just how you got it out. And, you know, I just did my third long hike this past year. And that was something I was thinking about a lot on that experience was sort of why do I keep coming back to this? Why do I put myself through this torture (laughs) on some level? But also like what, like, what am I trying to get out of the experience? What am I trying to do? And I think the main thing that the outdoors and especially long distance backpacking offer is the removal of distraction. And so the you that you find on the trail is not some other you that didn't exist. It is just the purest form of you without all the other stuff that we pile on ourselves in our normal lives. And so when you remove 
you know, social media all day, every day, when you remove your job, your to-do list, your taxes, your vehicle, your stuff, your house, who are you then? And, and I, I'm not saying that no one has ever been changed by the trail. Cause I'm sure, you know, people would argue that point for sure. But I think that that really what is changing is how you see yourself, not so much who you are. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like that because I feel like there would be people that try some of these trails, you know, the lo- even longer ones, try some of these trails that are, have issues they're trying to work out and think this is what, you know, this is going to help me and shape it, which I could almost see, and I could be wrong. I could almost see it being the opposite of really hurting things because like with some solo van lifers I've talked to, they said, in order to you know be able to do these solo things, you're spending a lot of time with yourself in your own thoughts. If you're not, you know, if you don't enjoy your own company and you don't, you know, enjoy yourself, you're going to have a, a heck of a time because it's basically just a mental thing the whole time. So I can almost see it hurting people if they think it's really just going to change their, their lives when they've got a lot to work out. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's really about being prepared to do the work. And and when you go out on the trail, it's not about the work of putting one foot in front of the other so much as it's about the work of being in your own thoughts all day. And, and if you have trauma, if you have grief, if you have life decisions, you're trying to work out like the trail's not going to hand that to you. Getting those things is going to happen by like mulling over your own thoughts all day long, trying to figure these things out, facing the things that you've buried and digging them up and digging them up again and doing it again and day after day and, you know, maybe crying and maybe talking to other people and working things out. Maybe you're journaling. Like there's a lot of different things you can do along the way to help you dig through whatever it is you're trying to deal with. But yeah, it's really like at the end of the day, you could go to therapy in the city and do that same work. Um, or you can do it on the trail or you can, start doing yoga and work through that. Like there's a lot of different ways that you can work through the type of issues that a lot of people go on the trail to try to solve. Um, But any of those methodologies are going to do nothing for you if you're not ready to do the work. For sure. And the Appalachian trail and the Wonderland trail, I know you did solo. You talked about the Colorado trail. I think you did that with a, with a friend. So what, which way do you, do you prefer? Cause I could, I mean, I could see both ways. Definitely in the book, you kind of talk about sometimes you didn't like to be with people because you wanted to go at your own pace. You didn't want to slow people down. So what, uh, I mean, which way do you prefer? Do you prefer those solo hikes or do you prefer it with a, with a buddy? Um, there's definitely pluses to both. And I, I really do enjoy walking alone and I really dislike camping alone. So I think, the, the sweet spot is going with a partner and then saying like, see you at camp in the morning and having your day to yourself and then meeting at camp. And I think that would definitely be in the future, how I would want to do things. Cause I do enjoy that alone time and, and being able to work through my thoughts and, and just enjoying the silence <laughs> is really nice. And when you're walking with somebody, there's like a compulsion to fill the day with chatter So yeah, I think going forward, I definitely will hike alone and then camp with people. And whether that's going with somebody and meeting at camps or just, you know, hiking in the bubble on popular trails where I know I won't be camping alone. Yeah. I feel like that must be kind of the the sweet spot for, for experienced hikers. That uh, guy I talked to, he hiked the whole 27 years with one friend and they would do that. Exactly. He was, he said he was about 20 minutes faster than the other guy. 
throughout the day. So they wouldn't hike together. They would just meet up later on. Occasionally, like if there was a, you know, a, a pretty site, he would just stay there and know 20 minutes later, his friend would be there. But yeah, I, I think that's probably, that's probably what a lot of, a lot of experienced hikers do is to do it by themselves and meet up at the end. So I think hiking with somebody can be so much pressure and it's the pressure of speed and the pressure of, but it's also the pressure of like making decisions and how many miles are we going to go today and where are we going to camp and where are we going to eat when we get to town? And it just feels like you're, you get into this lockstep of like having to always confer with somebody about everything. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. I've done some, some solo travel and that's, that's the cool part. You can just do what you want when you want. You don't got to talk to anybody else about it. So no, I, I, I hear that for sure. So let's get kind of the, to the technical side of the book and writing the book. Um, what made you decide that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to write this book. I've heard that you're about ready to, maybe you're writing another one, but what made you start this first one? Um, I, when I got on the Wonderland trail, I was really dealing with a lot of feelings of loneliness and trying to figure out what it meant to be an independent woman. Um, and, and I went on the Wonderland trail kind of hoping to sort those things out. And then I just had one of those like universe experiences where everything that I had been thinking was being said to me by strangers. And it just kept happening that I was like walking along and someone would say, why are you alone? And aren't you afraid to be alone? And, and it was like the same things over and over again. And it was like, my life was having a theme. Um, and by the time I got to the end of the Wonderland trail, I had also talked to a lot of other hikers about their experiences of loneliness and, and with hiking and ideas about independence. And I realized a lot of people were experiencing the same thing I was and, and that it was a story I wish someone else was telling so that I could read it and feel less alone in my experience. And I thought, I guess I'll be the person to write that story um, and hopefully let other people know they're not alone in their experience. And then maybe also a little self-serving, then I will know I'm not alone in my experience by them telling me um, after they read my book. And that has definitely been the experience. I've had lot, lots of readers reach out and say, thank you for writing this. Like, this is exactly how I feel. Um, so I've definitely got what I was hoping for. Yeah, I think, and it sounds like that's kind of the, the goal of all of it. I think even in the, the front of the book, you signed it something about like, you're not alone or something like that. Isn't that what you put? Yeah, it says you're not alone here. Yeah, no, I think that's that's really cool for sure. So what was the, maybe the surprising parts of, of writing your first book. I've talked to tons and tons of authors and that, that first book's obviously the hardest one. It's the hardest one, but then also the easiest because, you know, obviously the only person that's, you know, has a, a deadline is you and maybe your, their jokes always you and, and your grandma is the only people that have a deadline <laughs> for it. So give us some surprising good and bads on, uh, on getting that first book to, to paper. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think I'm having a harder time with the second book because I already know what's going to happen. <laughs> like I already know what the process is. And the first time around, I think I was very much buoyed by my naivete of like, you know, this will be easy. And so I like started writing the first draft thinking like, okay, I'll have like a draft and I'll be pretty much ready to start thinking about publishing in four months. Um, and then it took me a year to write my first draft. And then it took another year to edit and get it ready for publishing. Um, so I think surprise number one was just like, it took, I don't know, six times longer than I thought it would to get from storytelling to book in hand. Um, 
but some of the surprising good things were just like how wonderful networking with other authors has been and how it's been really awesome to talk to people about their process and just hear all the different ways that that people are doing this thing um that has been lovely and it's almost like a secondary you know I I think of myself as being in the outdoors community in the backpacking community in this kind of adventure space um and now I also get to be in the writerly um literary space which is very different but similar in a lot of those same ways <laughs> um I think yeah that that is probably the main thing and then just since then the the interacting with readers and hearing other people's stories has been a really amazing powerful experience yeah so what what tips do you have for somebody that that once they've, they've got maybe an experience or maybe even just a, a made-up story that they want to share what's what's your tips for first-time writers um the age-old just write something um i I have a really hard time with this one too. I'm definitely a perfectionist and I want things to come out right the first time. Um, but there's a lot of sayings in the writing world, like you, you can edit a bad page. You can't edit a blank page um, and things like that, which, which I definitely struggle with. And I roll my eyes when people say things like that, but it's definitely true. <laughs> um, the other thing I would say is if you have a story, especially if you want to write an outdoor adventure memoir, um, that type of story that the first two questions I ask people when I talk to them about writing a story like that is, um, what makes your story different or interesting, um, than any other story that someone could tell about hiking the Appalachian trail. And number two is why should anyone care? Like, why would the reader care to read your story? And if you have good, compelling answers to those questions, then you have a story worth telling. And, and I would definitely have answers to those questions before you sit down and write 50 to 70,000 words and spend a year of your life doing that. <laughs> no, I think those are, that's, that's good advice. And I'm, I'm definitely interested in kind of your advice for, for hikers too, just because, you know, I guess kind of amplified because of your self-doubt and sometimes your, your hiking ability. You know, I work in higher education and I talk to students all the time about, you know, the are you, the best teachers are ones that struggled in math. Your best math teacher is going to be one that struggled. People that just came naturally, they don't know how to teach you anything because they just, they never struggled. So I'd like to hear kind of your, your thoughts on, on hiking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, kind of like what I said before about like, you don't have to be good at something to enjoy it. And I think I spent so much time beating myself up about how slow I was and how like bad at this I was and how red and sweaty and gross I was. Like I was so worried about the fact that I was bad at this and that I didn't want people to see me being bad at this, that I wasn't enjoying hiking for a long time. And I would say my entire AT experience was like very self-flagellating. Like I did not have a good time on the AT. Um, and it wasn't until I... I let go of the idea that I had to be good or fast or be able to do a ton of miles that I was able to like look around and enjoy where I was and see the beauty and not think about so much my physical ineptitude for lack of a better word and, and just really enjoy the experience of being outdoors. That's really cool for sure. I want you to kind of summarize the book, what people are going to get when they pick it up and, you know, they, they hear this, they're interested I kind of a, a good summary because I, I mean, I've kind of picked, picked apart and picked pieces, but I want to give you that opportunity. The only thing I want to kind of interject with it is 
I already said I've I've done some you know day hikes, but definitely not a hiker. Still enjoyed the book, you know, immensely. It's not something that you have to be this big experienced hiker to to even like the book. So that that's the one thing I want to point out. But uh, otherwise, what what are people going to learn and gain from from reading the book? Yeah, it's definitely a human story. Um, I think it's relatable whether you're a hiker or not because it's not you know, it's a story in which I go hiking. Um, but it's not really a story about hiking. It's a story about searching for yourself and the struggle between independence and loneliness and how sometimes when we're seeking one, we accidentally end up with the other. That's a nice short sweet, but I like it. I like it for sure. Tell us, uh, what, what do you, what you hope the future holds? That's an impossible question. Definitely. And the world we live in now, but obviously another book that's going to come. Um, but uh, what, what do you hope that the future holds for Christine? Yeah, I'm writing another book now. I would love to have it published by the end of this year. We will see. Um, and, and I think I've been toying with the idea of a cross-country bike packing trip just to change it up a little bit. Um, but I'd like to just stay active as long as I can and be out exploring the world and seeing new things and telling and listening to stories. And after I write this book, I'm going to switch to writing fiction. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, but yeah, definitely just more, more outdoor adventure, more writing. Well, two questions to that one. I mean, this may be small potatoes for you if you're going to go all the way across the the country, um, with, with biking, but have you seen, isn't there like this, this big, trail that they go all the way across Iowa and have like a party every night. Have you seen that? That, yeah. that would be cool. <laughs> um, I've heard a lot about this and apparently the like local farmers and such from the road that you're on will like cook pork chops and come mm-hmm. sell them to you and stuff. <laughs> yes. I think that would be super fun just because it's like a novelty uh, experience that I've heard a lot about. Um, I don't know if I would need to eat that many pork chops, but (laughs) I mean, maybe if you're biking like a hundred miles a day, it makes sense. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would do something smaller first. I'm definitely like a jump in with both feet kind of adventure person. So the idea of biking several thousand miles is pretty appealing as a first go. There you go. (laughs) That, That sounds scary, but also, yeah, just, just jump into it for sure. Um, other thing you mentioned, you said that you want to get into the fiction writing. What kind of, what kind of fiction are you wanting to write? What, what interests you there? Um, I am toying with the idea of still staying in the outdoor adventure realm, but writing fiction, as far as I can find, there's not a whole lot of that going on right now. So I'm still kind of looking to see what the genre contains. Um, but I think at a certain point you can only write so many books about your own life. Uh, and then, you know, people are done with that. So, <laughs> so, you know, I want to explore other characters, other ideas of people and, and still stay within like sharing really honest human experiences. Very cool. So tell people how they can, they can find the book, how they can connect with you. Yeah. So I have a website aloneinwonderland.com where you can purchase um, just the book, or you can get a signed copy of the book with the fancy postcards. Um, (laughs) It is also available pretty much anywhere books are sold online. And if your local bookstore is not carrying it physically yet, they can order you a copy. So if you're a, a local bookstore fan, then you can definitely get it through them. And then you can follow me and come hang out on Instagram at rugged outdoors woman. And that's my main social media. 
Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you, Jackson. This is great. Yeah. So that was Christine. Really enjoyed speaking with her. Her perspective on, you know, life and riding and hiking. Just a fascinating person, a fascinating story. Definitely urge you to pick up Alone in Wonderland. It's uh, it's a cool book. I, I really enjoyed it myself. Just like I mentioned to her, I'm not a, a huge hiker, but uh, it's it's a book more about learning about how someone develops, who they are, the journey that they they went to 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 get to where they are currently. It was it was fascinating. Whether you're a hiker, somebody who likes the outdoors, or just likes you know a good story about uh, personal development, I I enjoyed it. I think you will too. Go check it out. Links in the show notes. Uh, check her out too on social media. She just uh, plugged that. That'll be in the show notes as well. Of course, check us out. Instagram, Not Enough Podcast. Give us a follow there. On Apple, whatever you got to do, subscribe. Give us the five stars. Write a review. That's even more awesome. That would be amazing. Uh, Spotify, give those five stars too. But uh, I appreciate you being here. Hope to see you next week. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.